Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome all of you watching online. We're so glad you've decided to join us. If you would stand with me, hold your Bibles up high. I give. I always give 9.30 a little bit of grace because it's just a little slower, you know. You got up early, you did the right thing. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, every now and then we have the opportunity to find out who some of our people watching are. And, and uh, Susan has a very dear friend in Tulsa, has become a very dear friend to me. So welcome, Cash. Thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. You're a wonderful person. We love you. Um, you know, in a world where there's just technology and availability, there's really a lot of opportunity for us to grow faster than we've ever grown and to experience more than we've ever experienced. Things are at our, our fingertips. So I began this series last week entitled, Please Do Not Disturb. Uh, there, are, there are door hangers for you to take home. And if you did not get one coming in, get one on your way out. You can uh, take a couple of these if you feel so led or give them to somebody but just a reminder, please do not disturb my peace, my joy, my faith, my hope, my destiny, and my vision. Um, so often we blame circumstances and situations for uh, being disruptive or being disturbed. And sometimes we invite those things into our lives. And throughout this series, I'm going to be talking about three primary things that are disturbing to us. Number one, when you say to yourself... I'm not enough. And whether you say it out loud or not, oftentimes all of us feel that inadequacy. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. Matter of fact, that's one of the greatest lies of all is when people say, you know, I'm just not good enough for God to love me. I'm just not good enough to go to heaven. Can I help you with something? None of us are good enough. But he is God enough to forgive us of our sins and, and open the way for us to have an experience with him. And so that, that I'm not enough. And the second thing is, I don't have enough. And the third thing is, God isn't enough. These are very disturbing things that cross our mind in times of difficulty. Now, oftentimes, we're real quick to blame other people for where we are or where we're not, what we have or what we don't have. And those are things that are troubling and disturbing as well. But oftentimes we create our own disturbances. In other words, we disturb our own hope. Uh, we disturb our own destiny. We disturb our own peace. We disturb our own joy because we think the wrong way. That's how come the Bible says that we are to renew our minds by the washing with the water of his word. In other words, when I read the Bible my mind gets cleansed of the, I can't do that. When the Bible says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so we have to get our thinking right 
or we will live a very disturbed life. Some people today are waiting on somebody to apologize to them to make their life better. Can I say something today? If they apologize to you, it's not going to make your life better. It might make their life better, but your life does not, the quality of your life does not depend on their apology. It depends on your choosing to forgive anyway. And so we all have to make sure that we're not disturbing ourselves and the things that God has for us. In 1961, very famous, one of the most famous golfers to ever play the game, Arnold Palmer, was on the final hole of the Masters, one of the greatest, if not the greatest tournament, golf tournament in the United States. And he was so good that he had won three out of the last four Masters, and it looked like he was on his way to win another. On the 18th hole, he had a decent drive. It wasn't great. But all he had to do was par or shoot a birdie, and if he did either one of those, he was guaranteed to win the Masters. Well, after the drive, he felt pretty confident. He was happy and walking the fairway. And he looked over in the gallery and standing behind one of the ropes where they rope off the fairway so the, the spectators can't come on, he looked and saw a very, very dear friend of his. And he, he waved at him and he said, come here, come here. And so the friend came over, which has violated everything that Arnold Palmer said his dad taught him. Do not be distracted or disturbed. Just keep your focus. But in this situation, he had won three out of four of the Masters, so he thought, surely with this drive, all I got to do is par, and, uh, or even I think it was par bogey. It wasn't even par birdie. All he had to do was get on the green, put it in. He had another Masters. But his friend came over to him, and he said, congratulations, and he had not yet won. Long story short, he went on and lost the tournament to a double bogey because, he says, I did something that I should not have done and I knew better. It disturbed his focus. Sometimes we create our own disturbances and we try to find other people to blame. He could have easily said, I can't believe he came over and celebrated before I'd even won. Well, Arnold invited it. Oftentimes we invite people into our world. We invite conversations we should never have and it disturbs our vision, our hope, our focus, our faith. I mean, all it takes is to get around somebody when you're having just a mediocre day to tell you, man, that'll never happen, and you believe them. You have to be careful to not allow things to disturb your focus. Uh, I talked about this last week, and I'm going to kind of recap a little bit for those of you who weren't here. I talked about one problem is that we have to convince ourselves that we are enough by our works. In other words, if I work hard enough, if I'm good enough, if I do all the right things, then I must be enough. But let me say this. We're not enough because we're always good. We're not enough because we're always right. We're not enough because of our works. We're enough because of the cross of Christ that we accept that he died for our sins. That's what makes me enough. I, I'm good enough not because I did good, but because he's good. You see, the challenge in life is we're always coming up short in our own minds. Even people that you think have it all together, they seem very confident. Oftentimes, they're the most insecure people. What they're doing is trying to convince themselves and convince you and convince you to tell them they're enough in order for them to feel like they're enough. Let me just say this. When you woke up this morning, you were enough 
if you wake up tomorrow morning, and I pray that you do, you will be enough. Why? Because you are the apple of God's eye. God loved you so much and loved me so much that he gave his only son. And in that moment, we were all destined for hell. And the only thing that separates us from hell and heaven is the choice or the choice we don't make, which is to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. I am only enough because of his blood. I'm only enough because of his grace. I'm only enough because of his mercy. But let me tell you something. He is the God of more than enough. And when you get saved, more than enough comes to live in you. An acquaintance of mine wrote these words. Religion is all about our goodness being rewarded. Now, don't miss this. Religion is all about our goodness being rewarded. Christianity is all about our badness being forgiven. You see, for years, churches and religious organizations have put the responsibility on humanity to achieve heaven. But the reality is we only achieve heaven because of him. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't try to live the best life that we can live. And, you know, most people measure uh, things differently than I like to measure them. The church that I got saved in, which I'm very grateful for and I'm not critical of. But once I got born again, they expected me to be angelic. I mean, you, you cut your hair. You say all the right things. You're in church at all the right times. Uh, you, you don't drink, smoke, cuss, or chew, or date girls who do. That was the measurement of Christianity. And, and so I, I, I'm trying to live up to all of this, and I'm failing miserably. I, I, I'm going through this going, I just don't think I can be a Christian. Well, you know what? I was taught religion before I ever experienced Christianity. Now, granted, there are things that are self-destructive. There are things that are disturbing to us and that disturb our lives, our relationships, our jobs. There are things that will come to disturb those things. In other words, if you fail, you know why the product 409 is called 409. Because 408 experiments failed. They just kept on until they said, this is working and this is enough. You see, sometimes we quit way prematurely because we fail miserably or we fail consistently. You know, the church quit. I remember all the things I couldn't do, but I tell you, there was one thing that really rose up in the church I got saved in. Gossip was just everywhere. But then, as only religious people can do, they turned it into, just tell me so I can pray for you. It wasn't gossip all of a sudden when you threw prayer into it. If you'll just, just whisper in my ear and I'll pray for you. You know what? Sometimes you don't need to tell everybody everything to get them to pray for you. You don't need to talk about somebody else say, they're such an idiot. I can't believe they did this. Please pray for them. No, we're going to pray for you. You see, it's one of the most destructive things in the church over any medication you're going to take is gossip. I'll shut lunch down today. So you convince yourself... I'm going back to the story of Mary and Martha. Again, one of the greatest uh, examples of this. Martha is one type of personality. Martha's a worker bee. Martha is a doer. Martha had a list. If there would have been pencils, I'm sure she had a pad. 
and she's writing everything down. She, she thinks everything in the, the world ought to be orderly, done in the way she wants it to be done. None of you know anybody that way, do you? If it's not done their way, it's not the right way. And so Martha was that person. She was the person that felt like I got everything dialed in. I got the house clean. I got everything ready. And then Jesus shows up. And as they continue to travel, uh, Jesus entered her village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. Now, you can see Mary here is sitting. Martha's in the kitchen. This is, this is sibling rivalry right here. Martha's got it dialed in. We got a guest, and his name is Jesus, and he's just not an average dude. This is Jesus. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Can you imagine the audacity? Interrupting the Son of God? Hey, Jesus, hey, 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 hey. Look at me. I got issues. I am in there. I'm having to go get wood to put it in the stove to cook your meal. And Mary's sitting here at your stinky feet. Hope I don't pay for that when I get to heaven. Complaining, comparing. Last week she's convincing herself. This week she's comparing herself with Mary. And she is certainly saying to Mary and Jesus, Mary, you're not enough. If you were enough, you would realize the Son of God is sitting in our living room and all you're doing is sitting at his feet doing nothing. But that's what Jesus wanted. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her, I can, I can just see Martha. I, dear God, I hope she does not live in my neighborhood. <laughs> Tell her to lend me a hand, the master said. Martha, dear Martha. Anytime Jesus says a name twice, you know you're in trouble. When I was a kid, I knew when I was in trouble. I said, Mark Anthony! Mama is irritated. Jesus is a little cooler. I don't think Martha had a middle name, so he said, Oh, Martha, dear Martha. Because she was double trouble, Martha, Martha. And I'm sure there's a Martha watching right now that's going to send me a nasty text. Not all Marthas are that way. Not talking to you, Martha. Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. You see... Oftentimes, we look at what other people expect of us and we try to live up to their expectation. I always come up with a couple of little things on Sunday morning I like to share. And this is one of them that applies here. Listen to this. Can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Do you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? You see, to some degree, we're all a victim 
of our environment. We're a victim of how we were raised. We're a victim of how, what we experienced growing up. We're a victim of, of, of a, a teacher saying you'd make a, a good this or you'd make a good accountant or you'd make a good son. And all of a sudden, you had no idea, so they imparted or planted an idea in your head and it never seemed to feel right. You see, I, I'm the middle child, and I promise you, middle children, we got a fast track to heaven. We just do, because your older sibling was one way, and then your younger sibling was another way, and you're here in the middle, and they expect something of you to be either smart like the older one or quiet like the younger one, and I was neither. I wasn't smart, and I wasn't quiet, but I was fun. And God knows my family needed some fun up in here. Every circus needs a clown. Now, I'm not saying I was a clown, but I was funny. And I enjoyed my life. And maybe I enjoyed it too much, but I just was the type of person that if I looked at my older brother, who really is really intelligent, okay? So I figured this is the best thing about being me. If you have fun, you can always draw from people who are intelligent. But intelligent people don't know how to have fun. Oh, now that crossed the line. <clears throat> but we're comparing, <clears throat> we're constantly comparing ourselves with other people. We're comparing ourselves with what we were supposed to become, what our parents said we should do, how we should live. Where we, I mean, I remember growing up back in the days where there were unions and I worked for Southwestern Bell, and we had a union, and, and we had promises of retirement benefits and all those things. And, and, and I was taught when I was young that, that you need to just get, get a good job and that that's, has a union that guarantees you almost that you're never going to get fired unless you do something really stupid. And, and that you're going to have good benefits, and you're going to have insurance, and God knows insurance has gone to the wayside. And so all of those things, and that was what was given to me that that was what I heard I'm supposed to do I'm supposed to live this really calm life I'm supposed to have a little house with a picket fence get married have two kids nowadays have one <laughs> and, and everything would be fine that's who I was or what I was told to be before I found out what I was supposed to do and I decided at one point in my life, I cannot live this way. It's kind of like when David came to the lines and the battle lines and Goliath is crying out uh, to Israel and, and criticizing them. And, and David was so irritated because he was talking about God, David's God. And so David goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would say these things? And all the Israel, including King Saul, who was head and shoulders taller than everybody, is standing there listening to it. And David said, I'll basically, modern day, I'll take him on. Well, then Saul turns and says, here's my armor. Well, David tried his armor on. He couldn't even move. Saul was a lot bigger than him. And, and so Saul's trying to put on David his life, his armor, his way of fighting. And David said, no, this is not going to work for me. Some of y'all comparing your life against your mama, your daddy, your aunt, your uncle, somebody who had an influence in your life, and you're comparing yourself to them. And you've lived your whole life trying to be somebody that you're not. 
but it worked for them. Listen, what works for somebody else may not work for you. And it doesn't make them right and you wrong or you right and them wrong. We have to find out who we are. Mary knew who she was. I'm a worshiper of Jesus. I'm a learner. I want to sit at his feet. And Martha's busy doing Martha. And it was fine. There was nothing wrong with what Martha was doing in the kitchen. I mean, some people are just good at things. If I ran a restaurant, it would go broke in a month. I am not a chef. I would love to be. I admire people who have that gift. I'm not it. And so what happens is sometimes we look at what somebody else is doing and having success at and getting notoriety for, and we say, I must not be enough. I don't get the praise. I don't get the applause. I don't get the appreciation. I can't cook. I can't do this. And we start looking at all the things we're not good at. But let me tell you, every one of you is good at something. But the devil loves to disturb us and get us off track and out of focus and keep us disappointed in life. Look, this is pretty much all I'm good at. And some of you say, well, if that's all you're good at, you really suck. But this is my life. This is what I do. Can't imagine not preaching. I've thought about it. And usually defunct preachers do one of two things. They sell shoes or insurance. That's just what they do. I've known so many preachers. My uncle was a preacher. And when it went bad for him, he started selling insurance. And so what we do, if we're not careful and compare ourselves with other people... We will quit what we're called to do because we cannot see the benefit of what we're doing. Devil loves to cloud things up. I'm going to read something to you. It's kind of cute. It kind of goes in a circle here. And this is a story. The crow was a happy crow. It could do everything a crow can normally do, including cool stuff like flying wherever it wants to go. Then one day, it comes across a dove. Wow, the crow thinks to himself, that dove is so shiny and, and some, has some flawless feathers, whereas I'm all dark and dull. Maybe this, this whole crow thing isn't so great after all. So the crow flies over to the dove and says, hey, man. With your shiny feathers and stuff, you must be the happiest bird in the world. The dove then explains that he was the happiest bird in the world until he met a robin. The dove tells the crow about the time he met the robin, and I was like, whoa, like, that is one awesome red chest you've got. I wish I had something like that rather than plain white chest. So the crow flies to meet the robin. Like the dove, he dazzled by the robin's awesome chest and says that there is no way that the robin can't be the happiest bird in the world right now. The robin lets off a sigh and says, well, my red chest is pretty cool, I suppose, but have you ever seen a peacock? That bird totally outshines my red chest. Its massive feathers have eyes, or at least they look like they have eyes, there is no way that peacocks aren't the happiest birds in the world with those incredible feathers. So the crow flies to see the peacock, and people are taking pictures of its majestic feathers. When the crowds disperse, the crow finally gets to speak to the peacock. I've never seen feathers like yours. 
You have to be the happiest bird in the world with those beauties. The peacock lets out a sigh and says, Well, my feathers are cool, I must admit that. But I'm kept here in a cage, and people take pictures of me when I'm sleeping or just trying to chill. Sometimes I wish I was a crow and think about how amazing it would be to be able to fly freely without any bothering me. The moral that to that story, be a crow. Thank you for being a crow, honey. You could have married a peacock. But sometimes we, we look at other people and we think, if I just had their house, if I just had their job, if I just had their popularity, if, if I just had, and the list goes on, if I just had, let me tell you something. When God made you, he broke the mold. You have unique fingerprints. You're unique in every way. You're wonderful in every way. But if you keep looking around at everybody else and say, they're so pretty. I mean, I have to fight this with my hair. I wake up next to the most beautiful head of hair every day, and I look in the mirror and go, what happened? <laughs> my wife looks better without even combing her hair than she does when she combs it. I wake up and say, don't touch your hair this morning. And I look at mine, and I go, well, ain't much to touch. <laughs> My grandson's the same way. He looked at me, other, I was in Washington seeing him. He said, Pops, you don't have much hair. And he's got a head full. I said, well, that's because I saved it and let God give it to you. <laughs> you see, we can always find a fault in our own lives. We can always look in our lives and go, I I'm not enough. I'm not good enough, I'm not tall enough, don't have enough hair, don't have this, don't have the job. Don't. It's real easy to live a disturbed life. It's real easy to look at yourself and say, I'm not enough. When in reality, when God made you, he did not make a mistake. The things that we've gone through in life sometimes are very, very difficult. All of us have issues, all of us have had issues, all of us will continue to address issues. But if we know that we serve a God who is more than enough, and he has put that in us, then nothing should disturb us. We can overcome anything. We are more than conquerors and overcomers in Christ. And some things are hard. Some days are difficult, harder than other days. And before you know it, we start looking and saying, what could I have done? What could I do? And the reality is we look to God and say, God, I trust you to have done everything that needed to be done. Because you can't unscramble eggs. The only person that you should try to beat is the person you were yesterday. The Bible says the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. That we are going from glory to glory. And that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. When I start having a difficult time, I go, well, we're not there yet. And when we do get there, I won't be here with you. Because until the day of Christ Jesus, he's going to be doing a work in my life. There are some days I look at my life and I compare me against me and it ain't pretty. I look and go, well, I was better yesterday than I am today. I mean, I have my moments. I was driving the other day and Susan and I, were, this guy in a van just started coming over in my lane. Well, let me tell you, there is a reason they put horns on cars. And if you're a Christian and you don't honk, you're pitiful. 
you are religious. That horn was put there to alert somebody how stupid they are. I'm honking. He just keeps coming on over. And I got to tell you, I'm going to confess. This is my part of the, the, the service that becomes Catholic. I rolled down the window. I did no sign language. I, and I know he couldn't hear me. I said, you're so stupid. Susan got on to me. It was, it was weird. It was just weird. It was one of those moments. And, you know, as I think about it, the reason I can share it with you and laugh, because in that moment I could have said, well, I'm not good enough to be a preacher. And I'm thinking, nah, I'm just human enough to be a preacher. I thought to myself, you know, it's okay. I didn't break any laws. I'm not sure Jesus was real happy with me in that moment. But I got over it. I'm over it. I can share it with you. Some of you may leave the church, and there's another pastor who did the same thing. He just didn't tell you. Because we all got those issues, man. We can flare up in a minute. Our humanity is combustible. So, just a few thoughts. Number one, know your part. If you don't know what your part in life is, you don't know what your part in a relationship is, you need to find that out. What is my part? What role do I play? You see, the problem was Martha had identified her part, but she was trying to define Mary's part for Mary. And the minute somebody starts telling you what you should do instead of asking you what you want to do is the moment you know they're intruding and disturbing your life. Now, I know that all parents have aspirations and goals for their kids, and we want them to do well. And I, I was definitely not going to win any Father of the Year awards. I was so type A. But there was one thing I did right. I told my kids, I want you to do what makes you happy. Now, what I really wanted to say is I want you to make a lot of money and take care of me when I get old. <laughs> that was really what I wanted to say. But I knew that I did not want to put on them what God had put on me. First off, I would never call anybody to ministry, ever. Any parent who wants their kid to be a preacher needs to stop. Because only God can make it last. If you call yourself or you call your kids, they're going to have a miserable life. And I knew that. You get criticized, you get attacked, you get lied about, you get, you get all kinds of stuff coming your way every week. You don't think the, de you think the devil doesn't like you? He doesn't like me and Jesse ten times more than he doesn't like you. No, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We are the black dot on the target. You might be a red ring, and Jesse black, and, and I'm on the black one because we're together. So together we're brown. Anyway, so... You're the target. <laughs> got to, don't you? Got to. And so I realized I was not going to call my kids into what, even though it would have been great and I would have loved it, and, and you know, but, but, but I would have known the battles they would fight. I would know what every Saturday night that you're getting ready to preach is like. Nobody can understand it when you're sitting there on a Saturday evening trying to go to sleep and you're thinking about your sermon 
and you're thinking about what to say and what not to say, which I don't do a very good job of. And, and so you're laying there at night thinking, I, got, I mean, I've had nightmares of standing behind a podium going, I don't have anything to say, which is nearly impossible. <laughs> but I've had those nightmares thinking, what am I going, I don't have, what, I, uh, where am I, 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 I'm telling you, it, it's that kind of, so what I'm saying is, oftentimes, parents, friends, we start telling people what they ought to do, and what we're really saying is we're comparing and trying to get them to be who we are instead of encouraging to, them to be who they were made to be. If you really want someone to excel in life, help them find their part. Secondly, do your part once you find your part. Don't expect somebody else to do your part. And some of you think your part is not important. On Sunday mornings... Consistently, some of you stand at the front door looking out at Northwest Expressway, shaking hands with people you may never see again, and you think you don't count. They don't say thank you, good to see you. They just come in, and you don't know why they don't say that. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they lost someone they love. Maybe they've got issues. Maybe they're going through bankruptcy. You never know. But you stand there week after week, and the devil would love for you to believe that your part does not count in this church. Susan is sitting on the front row for the first time in months because she runs the children's ministry. She's always out there. And probably the biggest difference being made in this church is not dealing with people like you who are already set up like concrete. <laughs> but dealing with pliable minds that are waiting to hear a truth that will change their life forever. Yeah. Kids are ready. Kids are they're powdered. They're ready to be formed and shaped and molded and and, and so some of y'all say, well, I don't want to work with kids. Well, some of y'all need to work with kids, but you don't think it's important enough. Probably the most important job in this church is dealing with our children. Second may be worship. I'm, but guess what? I get the bronze. I'm number three. I mean, I can look at it a number of ways, or maybe I won't even meddle. I don't know. But I do know this, that the things that, you don't think are important like Martha didn't think it was important for Mary to sit at the feet of Jesus and she began to make judgments about that. What we need to do is encourage people once they know their part is to do their part. And thirdly, it's okay just to be a part. One of the greatest things is to be a part. Don't worry about being first. Just be satisfied, satisfied being your best. Everybody wants to be first. And there's nothing wrong in competition. But, but at the end of the day, the, the person standing in the middle with the gold medal, all they were was their best. And on that particular day, their best was better than somebody else's. But it doesn't mean that the other people aren't the best. It's just on that day, that person was the best. But to just be a part, can you imagine just being able to say, you know, I finished 16th or 32nd in the Olympics. See, I, I can't say that. I interviewed uh, Marion Jones, one of the great Olympians of all time. I, some of you may remember my interview with her. And when I introduced her, I said, today it's so good to have Marion here. Between the two of us, we've won five gold medals. <laughs> she won them all. <laughs> but it would be easy to sit and say, I'm nothing compared 
to her. I'm nothing. Instead, I felt like it was something that helped me set things right, that she was the best at what she was called to do. And all I've got to do is be the best that I can be at what I'm called to do. Or I will never feel like I'm enough. I'm going to read these quotes to you by some very famous people. And then I will do my best to bring this thing into land. Have more than you show and speak less than you know. Have more than you show. In other words, don't always be walking around. A friend of mine one time said, don't wear it, don't talk about it, and don't drive it. We oftentimes want to feel better about ourselves by telling people what we have or what we've done. And there's nothing wrong with sharing your life and your life story until you're sharing it with the need of being applauded. But when you're sharing it for the purpose of letting someone get to know you, it's one thing. But if you're doing it because you don't know you, and the only way you get to know you is by telling a story that makes you feel great. Find out who you are and do it on purpose. Famous words from a lady who grew up in great poverty, a lady by the name of Dolly Parton. Find out who you are and do it on purpose. Steve Jobs, one of the most brilliant minds of our day, our time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Our time is limited. Don't waste it living somebody else's life. Some of y'all are so unhappy. Your dad had an accounting firm. Your grandpa started the accounting firm, and now you run the accounting firm, and you hate it. But you're doing it because it's somebody else's life that told you this is your life too. That's why we have so many unhappy people in the world because you made decisions based on how much money you could make, how impressive you could be to the world around you, how important you could become. And none of those things are going to matter when your life comes to an end and you stand before Jesus. He's going to look at you and say, I've always loved you. I loved you when you had nothing. I loved you when nobody knew you. And I will always love you, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. You wouldn't worry so much about what other people think if you simply realized how seldom they do. Eleanor Roosevelt. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what lies behind you and what lies in front of you pales in comparison to what lies inside you. The challenge is that what lies inside a lot of people will never come out of them because of what lies around them. Successful people, other people in the family that seem smarter than you, taller than you, more beautiful than you, more likable than you. You see, some people are introverts and you don't even want people around and I envy you. You have found a place of solitude without the necessity or need to have somebody tell you how awesome you are. You're criticized oftentimes as being unfriendly, unkind, when in reality, you're just genuinely being you. Leave people alone who want to be left alone. 
Love them at the level they want to be loved. Talk to them at the level they want to be talked to. Quit trying to make them you. I've discovered in my life as I've gotten older that I think a lot of the need I had in my life to be an extrovert was because I saw so much sadness around me in my world that I just had to laugh my way out of it. And there wasn't anybody making me laugh, so I decided to. But at the end of the day, I'm just fine being alone. I'm just fine being with, with my wife. And sometimes we might come off snooty, but we just kind of like being together. It's awesome to be married to your best friend. It's a wonderful thing. So sometimes you might think that, well, they're kind of standoffish. You'd, you'd be right. <laughs> but just know this, we're having the time of our life. Saul was tall. David was short. Saul was a warrior. David was a shepherd. Joshua was an eloquent speaker. Moses was a stutterer. Martha was a worker. Mary was a worshiper. Some people have money. Other people have faith. Do an inventory of what you have and who you are. Being a successful person is not necessarily defined by what you have achieved, but what you have overcome. Not by what you've achieved, but what you have overcome. Don't look at everybody and think just because they have a lot of stuff that they're thrilled. It may be impressive to you, and that's maybe, maybe they're happy. Because that's who they are. That's what they were called to do. And I admire that. And there are times that I think, why couldn't I be like that? I have a friend who worked at an oil refinery. And that's all he had ever thought about. Until one day he saw equipment coming into that refinery. And he started asking about that equipment. Where did that come from? How do they do this? Come to find out they were the only company in the United States that had this particular equipment. So every refinery needed them. And one day my friend decided as he was praying in a park, looking down through a hole in his floorboard, God, I have all these kids and I need your help. So he went out and found out how he could get some of that equipment. And he became the second company that owned it. And today, because of that choice of who he was... Not comparing himself with anybody else, but looking inside himself saying, I'm seeing what's around me, but for the first time I'm finding out what's in me. And he became a multimillionaire, and he's one of the biggest givers I know. He lives to give. And God entrusted him because that was his call. Now, every now and then, I'd kind of like to be like him. But here I am, and this is me. And I'm thankful to have friends like that because it teaches me God has a role for each one of us to play. And if we'll all play it, it will be the most beautiful mosaic that you could ever imagine because we all fit in to the big picture of what God is doing in the world. There you have it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving each and every one of us, what the world would consider to be the lowliest person in the lowliest position. Your love is as great for them as it is the most successful and known person in the world. We all have a part to play. May we play our part. Not comparing ourselves with other people, but just simply comparing ourselves with who we were yesterday and who we are today. We're going to get better. Not to impress anyone, 
but to improve the life that you've given us to live, the quality of life, the joy, the peace, the happiness that comes our way when we find your place in this life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we never like to close a service without giving people an opportunity to accept Christ. Some of you are watching this recorded, and some of you are watching live right now, and some of you in here, maybe you have not accepted Christ, but today is your day. You say, well, how do I do that? I'm not good enough. I've done too much. You cannot out the cross of Jesus Christ. Your bad behavior cannot compare with his awesome behavior. So I want us all to pray this prayer today. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I declare today I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer in-house, we have a prayer team that will be to the left of the stage in just a moment. I want to ask you just to go over and say, today I gave my life to Jesus, and have them pray with you and give you something that will help you on your journey. Getting saved is a wonderful thing. It's, it's so wonderful because it's not by works, it's not by how good we are, but it's the faith that we demonstrate in His work. Now, obviously, sanctification is the process of walking out our Christianity uh, and, and none of us will do that perfectly, uh, but it will help you. And otherwise, those of you watching online, what I would like to ask you to do, and you in here as well, text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. And just put SAVED in there. The reason we do this is, is to help you uh, to, to feel like, okay, I've made that statement, not just to God, but I've let it be known. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God and the salvation to all who believe. So please do that right now if you would, please, okay? Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.